always up. Yeah. We the kids in that hard life. I'm so blessed. I'm so fly. So high. Feel God-like. Peace and black power to the family. It's your boy, Kwame Heru, a.k.a. Mr. God Body No Excuses. This is your big homie OT coming with another episode of... We're tired of asking. We black at y'all again. You know, we've been gone for a couple weeks, man. We had family. We had life things that we had to take care of. You know, close friends to us that we had to uh, tend to and be the community that we talked about. Uh, that we speak about and be supportive of us So, you know, pardon us for being away for a little bit But we back Absolutely, man uh, You know, standing on each other's shoulders Being a support uh, yes, Pillars yes. that we need for each other That's important So sometimes you gotta get away from this uh, This public space and take care of what's that's private That's a fact, man Rest but, um, up, big dad Absolutely, absolutely 100%. Condolences to, to the uh, Stronghouse family Yes, yes um, And, you know Rest in peace, uh, Grandma. I say, I say, rest you know in peace to my grandma. I mean, yeah, 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 for real. Rest in peace, Grandma. I love you forever. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know how you feeling though, man? I'm back. feeling, I'm feeling well. I'm feeling uh, recharged, rejuvenated. I'm excited. You know, uh, overall, man, I'm feeling good. You know, okay. how, how's everything with you? How you feeling? Um, how am I feeling? I'm interested to see what's happening out in the world. Um, yes, you know, there's a lot. a lot of conversation happening amongst black people with this in this whole political landscape that we've seen. This um, is true. You know, everyone's putting out their best ideas on what needs to happen. And with that being said, I think there's some questions that we have to keep in mind mm-hmm. uh, when mm-hmm. considering all of these things. But, um, you know, I'm feeling good. My son is doing well. Yes, yes. Uh, I share. I share. You know. My son's mom, my lady, she's uh, doing well. That's wonderful. And, um, you know, outside of that, we got good health. We in good spirits. We able to continue working. So feeling good. Yeah, man. Same here. You know, my daughter is uh, she's doing good. You know, we started her her uh, business endeavor, YouTube, as she wanted to start. My lady, you know, we're doing good. You know, we are working. We're building. Um, we're progressing, you know, we have we've had uh, a little rough patch, but, you know, we're sticking it out. We're going together. But that's Austin. the nature of our relationships. That's though, a right? fact. That's, that's the nature fact. of relationships. And a lot of times we've been socialized to believe that, you know, you might have some friction and then everything's happily ever after. Right. But right, right, a relationship right. is an up and down experience mm-hmm. and um, it's not just going to be steady all the time 100 percent, 100 percent. so yeah you know we like i said you know we're going through it but we're staying strong staying together you know it's not the fantasy that we constantly see portrayed on the tv or these fairytale books that we get as a child you know this is real life and you know uh we're dealing with them we we being strong i can appreciate that man i'm definitely glad to hear that yes, y'all yes. are sticking through it all right 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 because uh Family has to be the institution that uh, forces that cornerstone, change. man. That cornerstone foster that change that we right. want to see. I've been reading this book. Been okay. reading this book, dog. <laughs> oh yeah, what book is that? Yo, this book by uh, Shaharazad Ali, the Black Man's Guide to Understanding the Black Woman. And you know, it's been a page turner for me. It's been uh, giving me a lot of insight. You know, some different perspective. Um, it's been, it uh, kind of validated some of the ideas that I did have, but I think it's been a good read, and it uh, I think it's something that every black man should read, every couple should read, okay. and you know help you 
uh, grow and filter through some things. I, I, I've been taking a look at the book as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the things that I find most paramount is there has to be an understanding between a black man and a black woman that a lot of the way that we think has been thrust upon us. Right. And if you both can have that understanding and you can find yourself out of uh, the problems that you 100%. come into. So um, keeping that in mind, I definitely agree with you yes, as far as uh, a good, it's taking a, good a look one. at the book. I'm like halfway through it so far and uh, I recommend it, you know, up to this point. It, it, it's, it's real, it, it's real, real information, real uh, things that you can apply. And, you know, I, like I said, I recommend every black man, black woman, every couple, every couple should read it. And as the saying goes, speaking to what you said about ideas that's been thrusted upon us, if you don't understand racism, white supremacy, everything else will confuse you, even the nature of relationships, man, that's part of it as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, Again, we always want to tell everyone else, thank you for returning and joining in with us. We didn't give that uh, that greeting, but we definitely want to say thank you. Returning listeners, new time listeners, we appreciate your time, your ears. Yes, um, yes. You know, each one teach one. If you find something here that you can spread on to the next person, by all means, go ahead and do so. Right, right, right. We definitely appreciate the love and support. We definitely appreciate that. I mean, it's not necessarily... Not doing it for any notoriety or any recognition, but when we do get it, you know, it's humbling and, and appreciate it. And also, too, we're two people who, instead of complaining about the way we are perceived in media mm-hmm. and the narratives that are told about us, we're trying to create our own. Right. So, you know, this is us doing the work and uh, being the change that we want to see. Ashe, big bro. Yeah, man. Ashe. So, uh, as always, we always start with the health as well. Um, you know, and Kwame Haru always gives us to that. So what you got for us today? That's a fact. Yeah. Uh, my health and wellness segment. Um, you know, I'm just going to try to change it up going forward. I don't want it to be so time consuming. So I'm going to try to capture things in a nutshell the best way that I can. But uh, for this uh, health and wellness segment, I'm going to be talking about Meditation, meditation it has several benefits that can contribute to our overall health. As we try to reiterate, as my big bro just said, our health is our wealth and prevention is better than a cure. And when it comes to not only our health, but our life, we want to be performing that preventative maintenance. We want to get ahead of things and we want to be proactive, which what our whole platform is based on not reacting, but seeing what has the potential of lying ahead and taking the necessary steps for things to have the least adverse effects and outcomes as possible. You know what I mean? So let's get into it. We're constantly moving. Most of us are working, running errands, taking care of business, taking care of kids, uh, taking care of our families And we often don't slow down. We're going, going, going. We're living fast-paced lives, and this can have an effect on our bodies and our brains. We don't take the time to slow down and mentally recalibrate, say, after a stressful day or even stressful stressful work week. And this is where meditation can come into place. Meditation can help you manage and deal with a lot of things. 
And from what I understood through, you know, my research, uh, they have different types of meditation. I found about nine different types. But here in this segment, I'm just going to talk about how these uh, types intersect with one another instead of going by going through each individual one. Can, can I just say something before? Yes. It's interesting that you do bring up meditation mm-hmm. because, um, you know, I, as we know, I'm a sports buff. I grew up uh, ingrained in sports. Mm-hmm. And something that I heard in the sports realm is Jamal Murray, his dad made him uh, meditate since he was five years old. Mm-hmm. And he got to the point where he could drop his heart rate down to near death. Mm. And it allowed a, it allowed a certain calm that he has. And, you know, just from an athletic perspective, you see how calm he is in those tense moments. Right. And, you know, there's nothing like, quote unquote, special about this young man other than, you know, when the light shined brightest, he showed up. That's a fact. But that's, um, that's, and that's something that I want to incorporate with my son. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm I've been reading on how to uh, meditate with my four year old and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be uh, instituting that in the near future. So uh, it's very interesting that you bring that up. Yeah, man. I think what you just said about Jamal Murray, that's who plays for the Denver Nuggets, right? Yeah. Yeah, that, that kind of gave me a lot of insight and perspective. I'm like, man, this dude is really uh, crunch time, you know? He's really, uh, what's the phrase? A clutch playmaker. Yeah, that he's really clutch. Excuse me, that, that it escaped me. But, yeah, he's real clutch. And I'm like, wow, man, this dude is, is something. And now that you said that, I mean, it makes a lot of sense because meditation can help you align and center yourself when, you know, times are most difficult and seem to be most tense. So that's that's deep. But uh, the basic definition of meditate is, is to think deeply or focus on one's mind for a period of time in silence or with the aid of chanting. And some people do this for religious pers- purposes or as a method of concentrating and relaxation. So a Harvard medical study found out meditating helps process new information. So when you're in school or you're at a new job or even, you know, finding ways to tackle your daily tasks, meditation can help you slow down, focus and help you problem solve. Uh, Meditation also results in the increase in gray brain matter and this is responsible for as i said learning and even emotional regulation so when you're uh angry or when you're stressed or when you have a lot of things going when you meditate it helps develop a part of the brain that could help you actively and more effectively deal with these things um it improves self-esteem according to a stanford study and the journal of cognitive psychotherapy meditation help people decrease social anxiety It allow for positive reflection and examination of feelings without judgment. And therefore it increases one's self-esteem. As I said, it reduces your stress, anger, and hostility. It lowers your levels of car- cortisol, which is your stress hormone. Really? You know what I'm saying? And when we're, we're living in uncertain times, you know, with this pandemic, people losing their jobs, you know, stress is Real on the rise. Real issues being yep. A, yep. a huge issue. That's a fact. So it's, uh, it can be a very, it not can be, it's a very turbulent time, for, especially for a lot of black folk. A hundred percent. And, you know, ha- having that ability to meditate, you know, can help you deal with these things instead of panicking, you know, um, Meditation also helps to manage and fight addiction, whether it be drugs, food, social media, 
your telephone, you know what I'm saying? Meditate, meditating can help you uh, fight and manage addictions. Me- uh, meditation also, as I said, has physical benefits. It, it helps lower high blood pressure. It helps regulate your heartbeat and your metabolism. It helps build up your immunity and potentially helps to fight cancer. A study reported that meditation builds up your lymphocytes, which helps fight toxic cells that can cause cancer. Uh, it has been proven to help you regulate your hormones and reduce in inf- in cellular inflammation. In each one of my, if I'm not mistaken, each, each one of my health segments, I've always speak, spoke about the importance of cells. And meditating can help you, you know, lower your cortisol levels, lower ho- hormone uh, or regulate your hormone levels and thus protecting your cells. We're made up of millions and trillions of cells. And what we want to keep in the forefront of our mind is protecting those cells and not uh, engaging in activity that's constantly harming ourselves and doing nothing to rebuild them and nothing to uh, maintain cell integrity. It helps focus and reduce symptoms of ADD and ADHD. And I think this is something particular to our community, being that our young black boys and our young black children are constantly labeled with these uh, ADD, ADHD, oppositional defiant disorder and constantly be medicated with these drugs that are having uh, direct short term and long term effects. So as you said, you you, you are going to institute meditating with your young son, young son at four years old and he won't. This will uh lessen the likeliness of somebody having a, a negative opinion. Oh man, well he uh he's he eighty focused. Yeah, he, he can't, can't focus. So my daughter doesn't pay attention. Right. Doesn't pay attention or sit still and meditating can, you know, lead to that um that maturity, so to speak, and lead to that being able to focus and sit still and you won't have these ambiguous labels or unfounded labels of A D D or ADHD, which is really just an opinion. It's not anything really, you know, concrete, yeah, scientific. Um, And meditation helps to enhance the prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for protections and understandings, which result in us being more mindful, compassionate, and empathetic. And I also think this is something that's particular to black people because it can help chip away at that uh, mentality of self-hate. If I can um, align and meditate and become more sensitive or empathetic to you as my and, and see you as a brother instead of seeing you as an enemy, we can lessen the occurrences or the symptoms of self-hate me killing you or me feeling that I have to rob you or me feeling in somehow some shape or form that you're against me. You know what I'm saying? I'm empathetic. I'm compassionate. I'm more of my godlike self and seeing the God in you. You know what I mean? So I just laid out in a in a nutshell, you know, meditation and and the positive effects. And as I said, there are nine different types. And I spoke the the benefits that I laid out spoke to the intersectionality of of those nine uh, kinds of uh, meditation. So I definitely think that's something that we should pick up. I definitely um, agree with you that that's something that we should promote for our, our young people because it can create concentration. It cre- it creates a, a, le- a level of focusness and intuitiveness and introspectiveness when aligning, as we said, with ourselves and seeing the answer within us instead of, you know, looking outside. 
And I always, I always hear a lot of young kids say I'm bored. Mm. You know what I mean? Yes. And I think that they are under the impression that they always have a need to do something or need to be uh, engaging in something um, or stimulized by something. And with meditation, it allows you to think. Yes. You know, and process for yourself and just be still mm -hmm. and know that being still is okay. Right. That's a fact. I definitely appreciate everything that you that you just laid out for us. I have a question. Yeah. Is there a time frame that you should meditate from? And I ask this because, you know, when I'm at the gym, right? Mm -hmm. And say I'm about to try some weight that I usually don't try. Mm -hmm. I try to clear my mind. Mm -hmm. And I try to be still. I try to, you know, mm -hmm. say I'm one with the weight. Mm -hmm. It's just an extension of my body. Mm -hmm. These are the, the thoughts that I'm having. I try to focus on my breathing, focus mm -hmm. on my technique. Which is a big part of med meditation, breathing. Would that be considered meditation? In yes, those uh, that is considered a, a level of meditation. Sitting still, focusing, concentrating, controlling your breathing. And uh, there are definitely different levels. And I would say that is definitely one level of uh, meditation. There's no specific time to meditate. You know, there is no uh, specific period during the day which you should meditate whenever you feel like it's time to sit down and focus and clear and routine is good you know uh, allocating the same time but there is no benefits of uh, whether it be in the morning in the afternoon or in the night whatever that you find out is best suited for you is the best time which you should meditate whether it be before working out or lifting weights or before going to bed or you know before I start my day you know what I'm saying? To have that clarity and focus going into the day or at nighttime, like I said before, you're going to see and have that uh, reflecting on the day, whatever situations have arise or, you know, presented themselves, taking that time to clear your mind and get some overstanding. Question so, number two, mm -hmm. what would you recommend as the best entry point into meditation? Just from your understanding of it, things the you best read, entry, your experience. Can you, uh, what do you mean? Meaning like, should I start off with two, three minutes a day? Mm -hmm. Should it be I listen to, listen to some uh, white noise? Should it be a, a quiet area? Get, just give me an example of an entry point in the meditation. It should definitely be a quiet area. I think you should start trying to, especially if you're doing it, if you're doing it by yourself as an adult, you should... I think focus anywhere between 20, 15 to 30 minutes. If you're doing it with uh, your child, I think anywhere between like five to 15 minutes because, you know, I mean, our kids are active and, you know, gradually increasing from there. You know what I'm saying? I think you should have like a chant so you're not uh, distracted because it's, it's not easy to clear your mind. You know, everything that you're thinking, whatever is going on in your life a lot. So you should have like a focus word, like constantly saying love, love, love. Focus on your breathing, you know. Counting your breaths. Counting your like breaths. That. Like one second in, one second out. Two seconds in, two seconds out. Three seconds in, so you're calming your heart rate down and you're settling yourself. So the entry points would be, I would say, focus on the time as an adult between 15 and 30 minutes, maybe having a phrase or a word that you're chanting or a word that you're repeating, and uh, definitely be in a quiet area. Okay. All right. I like it. Yes, yes. I can, as you say, uh, smoke a bag of that. I say.
Yeah. I say meditation, man. Meditation. As always, Kwame Haru dropping them gems on us. I say. Thank you for that uh, you know, that health and wellness segment because we all know our health is our wealth. And um a lot of times we're dealing with the things that we can't see. I shouldn't even say a lot of times, like ninety-five percent of the times we're dealing with the things that we can't see. Oh, that's real. So you have to uh do all the work that's not public mm-hmm. to make sure your you know the inner me is straight. Jay-Z said in one of his songs, what you don't see is what you get. What I'm saying, and that just kind of reminded me what you just said, kind of reminded me of that. Like, you don't see everything, and sometimes what you don't see is, is what, what you get, get, right? All the, the trauma that someone has, mm-hmm. and, and, and all the pain that they've experienced. That's a fact, you know? spiritual warfare, man. Yeah, so, um, appreciate that, Kwame Haru. I should, all right, so l- let's, let's get into it, man. In the Dave Chappelle 846 documentary, right? Mm-hmm. He talks about our relationship as Americans with institutions and every institution that we have here in America, they lie to us. We're supposed to trust them and they lie to us. And I I thought that was just like, like an excellent observation. So, you know, leading into what we want to talk about right now, um, we just want to break down some of the uh, sensationalist ideas associated with these American institutions. Right. By posing the right questions. Right. Because a lot of times, we don't ask the right questions when it comes to these institutions mm-hmm. and we're left arguing points that don't really serve us. With that being said, um, we got to ask the right questions. Are we asking the right questions? Are we asking the right questions? One time while I was watching Toy Story with my son, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I heard a, a nice little nugget. And it's interesting when you watch some of these movies, like, you, you know, some of the gems that you hear, you might hear some real weird shit that right. you want to be uh, aware of. <laughs> But also, too, you might hear something profound and inspirational. Yes. And, uh, you know, this one time I was, we, were, we were watching Toy Story 3 and the little Barbie had a quote. She said, authority should derive from the consent of the governed, mm. not from the threat of force. Authority should, uh, should derive from the consent of the governed, not from the threat of force. So yes, my, yes, my, yes, my first question stuff. is, have we given authority to these institution that we call government to govern us the way that they've governed us? Mm-hmm. Have we actively done that? And why haven't we questioned that? Right. I would say just uh, from my vantage point, I think it's particular for black people. Have we given consent to be governed in the manner in which we are governed. Have we, I think that uh, indirectly we have, I don't think we directly have given authority. I think it's just something, uh, I think it's just something that we, we kind of stumble into, I guess. We don't really give it much thought. We just feel like it's supposed to be. You know, and we don't really see our role, you know, or our uh, us being complicit in it, you know. So I don't think we've directly given consent, but I think indirectly by not addressing it, we've given that consent, if that makes sense. With, with That makes 100% sense to me. The things that you don't say, you allow to happen. Mm-hmm. So when you don't push back on something... Mm-hmm. 
you're essentially allowing it to happen. Right. Like somebody in a workplace grabbing you up. Like, yo, if you're not saying nothing about it, then you kind of making that person sick, like it's okay. Yeah. You know? And they'll continue to do it and continue to take advantage of it. Or that bully, that bully, uh, that bully example that you've given before. Like, yo, a bully ain't gonna respect until you hit him back or punch him in the mouth. You gotta you know f- what I mean? punch him in the mouth. And a lot of times we are being bullied in our communities, right? And it's presented to us under the guise of uh, rule of rule of law mm-hmm. and authority. And what makes them the authority? Right. What makes them the authority? Self-proclaimed. We, the government is the people in place, not a doctrine that was handed down to us that doesn't make sense in today's term. Right. And we're not asking the right questions when it comes to that. And that leads me to like what I want to talk about next is we're all talking about voting and in this climate of voting, mm-hmm. we want change and we expect Voting the right people in is going to be the change we need. And we talk as if that's going to be the paramount thing that makes the difference for us. Right. Government is a reactive institution. It's driven by the people who make the change. Right. It's not going to be the change for us. Right. So there's not going to be laws in place until we say these laws need to be in place. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yes. The, the politicians aren't going to do the things necessary. They're only going to uh, protect their interests, serve who they think they feel they need to serve, right. and serve who has a seat at the table. Right. And we have to be combative about that. We can't just be complacent. The, the act of voting, it makes us feel, and you know, I heard Umar Johnson say this, the act of voting, it makes us feel like, that's we're doing we our do. part, yeah. yeah, in the change, right? And it, that's like such one of the most menial tasks in the whole the whole issue, right? There's so much other work that needs to be done. Yeah, are you lobbying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Are you laying out agenda? You know, or are you allowing these people that are running for these offices to create an agenda? You know, are you you? We have to have a hand in that. You know, and if you're just uh, sitting by and being passive about it and just allowing these people to do whatever they feel is best, it's hard for you to, like, say, man, I don't agree with certain outcomes. What you said made me think about these people that are these white folks that are walking around um, going against what going against other the safety precautions in place with this mat, these masks. How do you feel about like these white people running around going against wearing their masks, them saying I'm free and I have the right to do, you know, as I please, as it, as it pertains to me as an individual. And they feel like uh, the government is setting laws or setting policy or taking action that is against how they feel they are or their personal autonomy. I think that's an interesting thing to dive into because, you know, we've talked about this before. White people are allowed to be broad and all encompassing Mm -hmm. um, and express every facet of their emotions, of their thought processes, of their understanding of history. And it's all like accepted. 
Um, and a lot of times we, as black people here in America, we're not allowed to feel that way. Mm-hmm. So with them, with that pushback, that's them allowing themselves to be as free as they want to be. Okay. And it's not seen as an issue, right? Because the history of this country, they're taught that they fought for their freedom. Right. And they didn't just accept it. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're, we, we don't have that uh, American history presented to us. So it's looked at upon us like us complaining, us being indifferent to what this country is. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just a funny dichotomy uh, when you look at those two things. Right. I, I definitely agree. They are allowed to be their complete selves. They're allowed to uh, use the law as tools in order to enact change or, or, or bend to their whim, whatever that may be. And I definitely think it's something that's has, hasn't been granted, granted to us as black folks. Well, that's the issue though, right? Yeah. Because, um, you use the word granted. I don't know if you used it intentionally or just to make your point, but no one's going to grant us anything. Mm-hmm. And we have to stay steadfast in that mindset. No one's going to grant us anything. I find it interesting. You know, Ice Cube presented this contract with Black America, mm-hmm. and that's been a part of this, like, recent political talk that we've seen. Right. You know, a lot lately. A lot lately. You mm-hmm. know, people trying to cancel Ice Cube and what is he doing? He doesn't have an understanding of, of politics. Oh, he just makes movies. And the point that people are arguing is that he doesn't have the cachet to talk about what he's talking about. Right. But there are differences that we have to look at. He created a doctrine that we can all get behind. Right. In the midst of all of the talk about Ice Cube, Mm -hmm. no one's actually talking about the document. Right. That should be the discussion. The, the document should be the paramount thing mm-hmm. because that's an argument used against us mm-hmm. that the Constitution says this. That's literally the way that this government uh, operates. Right. It's an interpretation of the Constitution. Mm-hmm. And everyone understands that and everyone gets behind that. Mm-hmm. We're so fragmented in our understanding of things and we want to be the most intellectual, the, the most viewed. Um, the most person to get along with. You know what I'm saying? I heard D.L. Hughley say, Ice Cube is a guy who made movies. Right. And uh, he critiqued him for trying to get into a political arena. Whereas D.L. Hughley (laughs) is a comedian who we've seen in movies. Right. Who's now talking about politics. What's the difference? (laughs) Make it make sense. It doesn't make any sense at all. Um, But this is like you said, people are, I don't, people don't really think about what they're saying. You know, they just have an opinion. And, you know, the time that we, the times that we're living in, everybody can have an opinion and everybody can say what they want to say, especially with us living in a 24 hour news cycle we're constantly being updated with information somebody has to say the most intriguing thing or have the most intriguing headline and as it pertains to dl hughley he has a platform therefore he has an opinion uh well not therefore that he has an opinion but people can hear his opinion 
and he can say whatever he wants to say, whether it makes sense or not, whether he has given it some full thought and really parsed through it, he can say it and people will listen and people will agree without really doing research or without really challenging, you know, whatever it is that they're thinking about. They can just say it. And I think we have to be real about like America. We go back to that idea like these these politics is business. Politics is a business transaction. That's a fact. So it has nothing to do about how we feel. Business has nothing to do about how someone makes me feel. Very little, I would say. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You you can purchase sometimes on you know how something makes you feel, but that's the business getting the best of you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Politics is business. Both parties, both primary parties in America have a history of doing shitty things when it comes to black people in America. That's a fact. There's that, that's unquestionable. Right. So the idea that Ice Cube should not meet with someone is ludicrous, mm-hmm. especially if he's trying to do something that he sees a viable change. I understand that. Donald Trump has a history of using people as propaganda tools. Right. He did not meet with Donald Trump. But okay. and now the conversation again has become why is Donald Trump meeting with this person? That's Instead not the conversation of talking about, about the yeah. contract with Black America. Right. And how can we get it instituted? Right. Before this, you didn't hear CNN picking it up. You didn't hear all these major uh, news channels picking it up. But when the headline is Ice Cube works with Donald Trump, everyone wants to talk about it. And we're getting unfocused. We're getting lost in the sauce. That's a fact. It's a huge issue. And we're not asking the right questions. Why is it the Democratic Party took the position that they took? Why is it that Ice Cube is meeting with or had a meeting with the Trump campaign? Had a meeting with the Trump campaign had a meeting with the Trump campaign. He said he was going to do it for one. And for two, like you said, why are we not looking at this as business? The reality of it, somebody's going to win, whether it be Donald Trump or whether it be Joe Biden. So what are we to do? As he said, what are we to do if Donald Trump does win? Nobody expected him to win before, you know, but he won. A lot of people are not expecting him to win now. And it's not out of the realm of possibility that, that he, he can, will win. that he can win. You know what I'm saying? So regardless or not, somebody's going to be in power. We have some things on the table and some needs that that need to be met. And we need some type of accountability. So, hey, I have a plan. Are you going to, you know, institute some of these portions of the plan? If not, black people, we we, we go in the other way. If we talking to the Democratic Party and they saying, well, now, you know, it's good. But listen, talk to me after I've already been in power. You're not accountable to anything after you already been placed in power for uh, Donald Trump, whether he sees it or people see it as him being a prop or him being a ploy in a game. That's beside the point, in my opinion. You've also taken a look at the. um they lift every every voice. Plan, yes, I right? took at, I took I took a look at both plans. I took a look at the platinum plan, and I took a look at the lift every voice plan from uh, the the Joe Biden campaign. What, what was your impression about my that impression Democratic from, uh, lift your every voice plan? It 
that vague that vague ambiguous language all was all throughout all throughout the plan from minority to people of color to everybody i i saw very few things that were particularly geared toward black people as uh ice cube said the descendants of slaves not people of color not minorities because these things encompass a whole bunch of people and black people tend to fall at the bottom of the priority list when it comes to minorities when it comes to people of color this is this is language that you can put into fool people like yeah well you know we're catering to minorities well it could be white women or we're catering to uh people of color or it could be the east indian or or the middle east you know it's not specifically geared to black people and black people have specifically been disadvantaged in this country and throughout history so when we're looking for this language so when we can hold you accountable when you say that you have our interest and you're not just using lip service we need that so for him to meet with these people or back to this lift every voice plan i didn't see anything absolutely concrete that's saying oh this is uh pretty good stuff when it comes to building us up as a community building us up economically it, things were saying people of color and minority and i i wasn't too appreciate appreciative of that it's funny to me that the democratic party is perceived as progressive and uh forward thinking mm -hmm. and the republican party is perceived as uh conservative and old school thinking because we know change that needs to be enacted. Right. Right. So what does it say that 13% of the U S population could be the tipping scale of whether the country can change or not? That's telling me that a wide majority of America doesn't, doesn't want, want change. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Are we asking that question? That's that's the analysis. You <laughs> right. know what I'm saying? That's like what we got to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And then we're adding this weight of black people being the deciding factor. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? As if everyone else in the country isn't. Right. Or doesn't have a, a, a horse in this race. Right. We're, we're, add, we're, we're carrying that burden. Mm-hmm. And that's an unrealistic burden, and that's what's making us go at each other's necks. Mm -hmm. We got to sit back and pay attention to what's going on. And then when we ask, and then when we ask for certain things to be addressed, with us being the deciding factor, we don't get no answers. You know what I mean? Well, listen, we need to be the deciding factor for this change to be made. But you're talking about change. That is not really affecting me. But you, you want me to just go <laughs> along for the ride and, you know, have this train not stop at the stop that I need to, it to stop at. But that goes back to the point. Government is not going to be the driving factor of change unless it's to insulate itself for protection. Mm -hmm. Government is going to only be the haven of change to insulate itself to protect itself. And sustain itself, right. It's not going to be the change for the people. We have to be the the the, the driving change. But mm -hmm. I tell you one thing, Kwame Haru, if you don't vote for Joe Biden, you ain't black, brother. Yo, bro, I must erroneous, be <laughs> erroneous in all accounts. 
Yeah, man. People got some nerve, man. And then they want to backtrack and backtrack, backpedal on. Yeah, that's crazy, man. This, uh, yo, you got to look at the average age of these people. Who's it's these people? These Congress. Okay. People in the House, people in the, Yo, what's the average age of the people so-called running this country? Probably like close it's, to 50. It's not representative representative it doesn't represent the, de- the 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 vast majority of the demographic old white men gonna protect old white men interests the power powerful people never taught powerless people how to take their power away <laughs> you know what i'm saying and if you think that it was just as simple as voting right to be the difference maker congratulations you played yourself Come sadly, on, you sadly mistaken with that. You're I think that's a, a a great a great observation, right there. Yeah. Why would a powerful person tell a powerless person how to, how to take, take their power away? Like, yo, it's or not, the power is in just the voting. Yeah, it, it, it's not that simple, and it doesn't work like that. This system, which we have to make sure that we understand, this system mean that it's been constructed it's been manufactured things has been put in place for this system to work and for the, those people that set it up the addition of black people into this system was the economic bottom so we've continued to to be the economic bottom mm-hmm. and this again we've seen this system continue to work and run and you know insulate itself uh and even if you you think about claude anderson's uh poweronomics mm-hmm. ideals at the base of, you know, he talks about the five levels of what you need to move up to uh, change the circumstance for black people in America. At the very base of it, he talks about the economics. If it was just as simple as the voting, you know, coming from someone who was in government and been around campaigns and been, in, you know, in, in, in cabinets and everything. Right. He would tell us, you know, it's just about voting. But when you hear him talk over and over and over, he talks about the base of what you need to do is our economics Mm -hmm. and uh, coming together as a group. Right. And that has nothing to do with, we don't have to vote somebody to tell us to work together. (laughs) Like that's not, that's not on the ballot. We, we have to know that thinking that, you know, just going in there and punching a ticket and all of a sudden are the, like in the movie, the matrix revolution, like the machines are just going to stop right there in his track. Like, nah, buddy. That's not happening, man. It's more. It's more than voting. It's more than every four years having a feeling about. It's more than that. Yo, are we really committed to do what needs to be done? But yo, we've been so socialized by television programming and indoctrination in the schools, and you know, being caught by hyperbole. Mm-hmm. That we don't pay attention to the details. We don't have an understanding of how these things work. And we're being pawns in the game. Right. Do pe- is- No, sorry. Go ahead. No, that was it. That was do, it. Do people know what the electoral college is? Do, do people, people know, know how the electoral college works? I don't think people do. I, I don't. To be honest with you, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if people know. Right. People just know that, hey, listen, I'm voting. I did my civic duty. We got this hyperbole that our ancestors died for us to vote. 
you know, and that's all that's all that we see. That's all that we hear. That's the constant headline. But we don't know how the system is working. We don't know what the electoral college is. We don't know how the electoral college works. We don't know what are the electoral votes from our particular state. You know, we don't know, uh, you know, what's going on in our counties. What the electorates are. Yeah. Like we don't know none of that stuff. Hey, but we know we need to vote, though. Yo, if they wanted to, they didn't have to. I know. And that's what they wanted to be done in uh, the last election with... With Hillary Clinton. They wanted the electorate to, go to follow with the popular vote and go against what the electoral... The counties, co- yeah. yeah, the counties actually uh, had in their in their You know what I'm area. saying? So, yep. yo, bro, it's a bunch of... <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. People really don't know. Always we 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 allowing people to think and give us ideas. But yo, I seen that new Fashion Nova ad. Yo, that joint crazy, ain't it? And then um, you know, uh, <laughs> Jason Balvin got that, uh, or Jay Balvin got the that uh, new thing in McDonald's. You know what I'm saying? What the singer? He got a, a deal with McDonald's. He got a, 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 his own meal with McDonald's. Jay Balvin, Hispanic singer. This is yeah. the shit. <laughs> I'm like, this, is the, t- this is the shit that we and that happens amongst the, the conversations in our community, right? Because I'm about to say I I have no idea what you, you that don't is. need to know about, that. right? That, that's, that's not important. I'm like, wait, huh? That's not important at all. Yeah, but hey, man. So I know um, we talked about a lot right there. I know in the midst of all of this. Something you found profound was uh, some things that we see happening in um, in the social realm. Because, again, the social realm plays such a huge part in how we think and how things are dictated to us and our understanding of things. That's a fact, though. You know, we're talking about institutions. We're breaking down these sensational ideas that America tries to profess and tout not only to us uh, that they try to tout and say, you know, America has the best of the best of everything, whether it be the political system, you know, that we would just spoke about and whether it be whatever system that they have in place, they always try to say that it is the the it's of the highest standard. It is of the best in the world We're the greatest country for whatever it is that we have going on and I call BS on that. You know, and one aspect that I that I found very interesting and I wanted to really take a look at and dive into was uh part of this society or this this social the, the societal aspect if that makes sense. And I wanted to talk about because it's kind of died down now. Haven't heard much talk about it, but was this, but it was this, uh, I don't know if it, documentary you want to call it or this movie that came out on Netflix called Cuties, you know, and I was very turned off and appalled by what I saw, the lewd pictures <laughs> of our young black women. Young black girls. Young black girls. Excuse me. Let's be right. Yeah. These babies. Yeah. You know, on there, the provocative manner in which they were standing and put on the pl- on display. And I was just uh, turned off. I was I was sick to my stomach. I was disgusted. And 
it just made me think like, yo, what is it that we are accepting or what kind of ideas and norms are being pushed on us and you know we're not having much to say about because even though there was even though there was you know some type of uh there was an outcry or there was a response to to the to the documentary it's not an ongoing conversation you know what i mean and I want to know, like, yo. And this is not a, a like a menial thing. This no, is like it's not a, a small a, a thing. Ma- a major issue. Right, right. Because um, especially when you talk about black people, we talk about early sexualization, um, you know, molestation, mm-hmm. uh, being taken advantage of, pimping, uh, just all sorts of derogatory things when we think about our young girls and our young boys. That's a fact. So like, yo, are we asking the right questions when it comes to the social well-being of our babies? Like, are we really protecting our babies or like, are we allowing this American daddy to call the shot? Something that we've touched on in our previous episodes. Are we allowing the TVs, the telephones, the internets, the YouTubes to raise our babies? Does this American culture sexualize and over-sexualize our babies? And are we allowing that? Are we questioning these new and old societal norms and the impacts that they're having on our babies? And are we filtering the things that our babies are receiving? Are we being conscious of what we're exposing to? And the cherry on top is pedophilia becoming an accepted way of life here in America in the context that you know we're living in as black people would you would you say you say it's becoming accepted i would say it's always been accepted um it's it's may have been a taboo topic to discuss Mm -hmm. and people don't know how to discuss it but if these things have been like laws on the books for generations then there was there's been some type of understanding that this was this is okay that's a fact um And I also find it interesting, too, uh, because a lot of times with this, like, feminist movement, you'll hear it's not okay for a man to comment on what a woman wears, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And you have a young daughter. Right. I don't have a young daughter, but I would think if I had a young daughter, Mm -hmm. I would want to have input on what she wears and how she presents herself. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it's a direct reflection on the values that we've instilled. Um, And, you know, your representation of not only how you want to be perceived, but how your family wants, you know, the world to receive you. And what is the, the, the changing age in which you can't say, Hey, that's not appropriate. Right. Because, is it just, you, oh, you turn 18, all right, now yeah, you do whatever grown. you want? That's a bunch of c- crap. And we all know, you know, at that age, your mind is very underdeveloped. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I'm just interested in your point of view with, with, with all those things in mind. I know you laid out a lot of questions. Yeah, well, my understanding, or as I was saying, this cutie thing on Netflix really 
really took me back. And I started digging into this social culture of, you know, sexualization as it pertains to our babies. And I use babies, and I'm glad you corrected me with, you know, young women. Babies, because, yo, they are babies. They're young. You're talking about 10 years old, 11 years old, 12 years old. Yo, they're babies. You know, they some don't know they left from their right foot. And we're talking about having them, we're talking about presenting them in a sexual fashion and in a sexual nature. And I and I did some digging and I and I did some research and I I, I found out that pedophilia, because we gotta call it what it is, is is it's a movement. It's like a it's a it's a pocket in America. It's a movement. They have I told you off air uh, the North American Man Boy Love Association. And they are allowed to exist. You know what I'm saying? And they are allowed to advocate for themselves and what they need. And this is something that we accept. I don't want to hear that freedom of speech garbage. You know, and I'm like, yo, well, why do why is it something that we're allowing and we're accepting men, boy, love, pedophilia, pederast? Why is that something that we're allowing to exist? Pederast. Can you uh, explain? Pederast is between uh, older man and a young boy specifically. Okay. You know, that's a form of pedophilia. Okay. You know, and. Why are we allowing these people to advocate for them? Like, what is it? And to me, that is like a deviancy. Like, it's a, it's a, I don't know how you categorize, like, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it, it's a. I don't even know if there is a word to encompass, like, everything that it is. That shit is like demon shit. Yeah, it's bro. Like and it. I'm like, yo, you have an actual organization that is their mission is to uh allow this to be law like a man and to have sex and have a, a relationship with a young boy and you know this is something that you know i dug into a little bit of history this is something that was accepted in greece this is something that you know was accepted in rome and this this is like a european culture or european standard that that seems to be becoming true and trying to rear Rear its ugly head in in America today. Greece allowed like a man of a certain status, a relationship. Society allowed them to have a relationship with a young boy. He would take him under his wing. They would have a sexual relationship, but he will also guide him in different areas of his life. And that's something that was accepted in Greece. That's something that was accepted in Rome and their parents allowed it and it was sanctioned by the state. And here in America, fast forward to 2020, we have a form of that. We are, uh, our babies are being allowed to be sexualized and they're even being allowed to be married at very young ages. I found out as young as 12 and it's only been recently that there has been a push for them to set a, 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 a floor on being able to marry, but there still have been certain caveats or ways that people can get around that. For example, if the girl was married or if the girl is pregnant 
and they get married, it's no longer considered pedophilia. You know, it's cons- wow. it's considered like an actual relationship. And this is very and this is dangerous. You're still a minor. You don't have you can't file for divorce. So you're, you're in you're actually in bondage. You can't go for your own health care. It has to be signed off because you're a minor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you don't have the protections that you would have if you were 18. You can't seek like help from because you're a minor. You're a, a minor wife. You're 12, you're 13, you're 14, you're 15, you're 16. And you're married to people sometimes two, three times your age. And I've just been, I was digging into it and digging into it. And I'm like, yo, well, it got to be some opposition it got to be some state-like opposition in this thing. And I didn't find much. I, f- I found more that state legislatures and even the ACLU opposed them pa- placing a minimum age on where you could be married. It said, they, they say that it um, infringes on reproductive rights of you know, certain girls. And you would think like, yo, with, with young marriage, you have somebody like 16 married to 16 or, you know, somebody within that age range. That's not the case. It's most times it's a young girl being married to a, a older man. And that that's like um, what you talked about with uh, manipulation. Definitely manipulation. They're courting these relationships. Like, you know, the phrasing like, Take a candy from a baby? Yeah. That's literally like what it is. You have a, a, a young child, a young girl, a young boy that don't know no better, that think that you really, like you think that that's a normal form of love, that's a normal form of affection. This grown-ass man wanting to rub on your leg and telling you how beautiful and all that stuff that you are. And I think about it like, yo, I have a daughter. You know what I'm saying? And I'd be goddamned if, you know, someone even thinks about, like, something like that. My daughter's six years old. You know what I'm saying? And I don't, she's going to be a little bit, you know, I mean, of course she's going to grow. And I'm just thinking, like, okay, she's 10. I know 10-year-old uh, young girls. And, and I'm like, yo, they're babies. And f- for the state to allow marriages as young as 12 and 13, if this girl, if a girl gets pregnant, it's not pedophilia anymore. It's no longer a crime. That, But how would they have gotten pregnant without it being statutory rape? And that's what I'm saying. So it's not rape when you're married. It's no longer rape now that you're married. It's no longer rape. You're no longer oh. subject to punishment now that... that, per, that so you can be 12... Have sex with somebody that's 40. Get consent from their parents, the 12-year-old, get married. Bro, if the girl is is pregnant, you can get married. And consent, when it comes to parental consent, is just a piece of paper that has to be signed. You don't have to interview the child. You don't have to interview the parent. You don't have to interview, like, the, the older person. Like, yo... Somebody sign a piece of paper. You take it down to the clerk. It's just absurd. You got a marriage shit. license. Some absurd shit. And I'm saying, yo, this, in my opinion, this is pedophilia culture being accepted and being perpetrated. And then we have this example of cuties like the, this girl being these girls being put on display in the manner that they were, and us accepting it. Like, oh, there was a little outcry, but now 
you know, no, there's not much being said about it. Then I well, did. I heard, the, I heard the director did get death threats. The uh, the woman who directed that movie, it's a black woman. I heard she did get a lot of death threats. So um, I'm not saying you know they're wrong and how they feel, but um, there was some people upset. There was some people upset. I'm not saying that there wasn't, but the 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 sustaining and being committed to like correcting this. And making and, sure it's not it's it's not a thing. And that understanding, comes right? It's not just this though. It's child marriage. You know what I'm saying? Not only being able to put your child on display in this sexual nature for quote unquote entertainment. You know what I'm saying? It, it, it's not just that. It, it splinters off to many different things. You know what's interesting to me when you talk about normalizing things because a lot of time. There's campaigns. You're going to run yeah, campaigns to, to normalize, normalize this thing. stuff. And again, we're so conditioned. Uh, we're so conditioned through television, right? So in the midst of the movement for homosexuals to get recognized, there was campaigns and we've seen it more on TV. And right. then it became like a, a hot topic. I used to enjoy watching the show Shameless. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like a lot of debauchery. Like I couldn't wait to see these like white fuck ups just mm-hmm. fuck their whole shit up. <laughs> right. But one of the things in that show was, uh, I don't know how old the actor was. I'm sure he's uh, you know, in his twenties or thirties. But he was playing a 15 or 16 year old boy, and he had a relationship with the grown man, and like. Now that you're talking about this, I'm looking back on this and essentially, you know, in the midst of all this comedy it's normalizing right. this thing. You know what I'm saying? And, and if I'm not critically analyzing what I'm watching mm-hmm. over the time that I continue to see it, it becomes regular. You right. know what I'm saying? That's a fact. And, and I, if, if I'm not, you know, actively saying, hmm, this isn't right. This mm-hmm. isn't right. This shit can seep into the subconscious of my brain. And just... Be accepted. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I just find it crazy that you have people that really don't want to oppose it or, or you know, break down these institutions. Like, American society, you, you think about child marriage and you ultimately think about, yo, this is something that's happening in other countries third world countries and there's no way that America it will be happen here in America or America will allow it. This is happening. This is like going on. You know well, what I mean? Well, it's interesting because you see all those child, pre- it, this is something we've seen time and time again in America. Bro. The child predators going to meet up with the young boys, the young girls, you see, um, uh, these stories of teachers taking advantage of the children and their and class. And that's a fact, bro. Even people's fetishes, like, yo, they like seeing teenage p- porn, teen, like, yo, teen girl do this, or porn where somebody's dressed up like a schoolgirl. You know what I'm saying? That's psychologically, like, yo, you got this kind of lust for, like, underage shit. Like, yo, yeah. they dress up as a schoolgirl. Like, why? Like, what is the fetish or, about or, that? Or, um, one of the worst jokes shouldn't even be a joke. Uh, if there's grass on the, on the field, field, play ball. ball. Like, yo, bro. And, yo, there's people 
in our neighborhood growing up that yo think like that i've i've known men you know this is in my younger years not people i associate right with now who actively went after like high school girls like seniors you know these are middle age you know mid-20s mm-hmm. going after you know sometimes close to pushing 30 mm-hmm. going after 17 year old 16 year old man we heard it in high school like nah my dude older yeah. my dude in college my dude like right like and we're not thinking we're like consciously at least i wasn't really thinking nothing of it like oh man yeah they like older dudes you know what i'm saying yeah. not listening thinking about the psychology of the older dude manipulating and taking advantage of this 16 year old girl you 23 22 23 and you you here having this relationship with this 16 year old girl that's sick you know and then when we and we got to speak about this having our young babies you know wearing clothes like salacious having women not understanding the impact that you're having on your your child you know what I'm saying? There's age-appropriate things. And all these women want to say, oh, I don't show that to my child. But they're being exposed to it. If you ask every one of these moms, I don't show that to my child. But somehow they're exposed to mm-hmm. it. And somehow you want to have your daughter dress a certain way. They're putting on makeup and lipstick and they're posing suggestively and things and things all cute oh ratchet bougie oh that's all nice and also and i'm like yo what are we doing to our babies what are we grooming them for what are we raising them for to be pushed into a culture that a world is sexualizing you as a 10 11 12 year old this stuff is sick and we and it's be in my opinion they're trying to know it's trying to be normalized. It seems like there's been generational campaigns for these things. Yo, that's a fact. Like every every couple generations, it rare like as you say, rears its ugly head, and, and, and it it you know pops up again. And in the midst of things, because wasn't there a bill just proposed, um, like in California, to allow some weird stuff to happen? There was a bill uh, proposed in California. And I looked into it, and the bill was, um, they said it, it was um, promoting pedophilia. But what it did, it created leniency for a judge to make a decision on a case. So it wasn't like, yo, if they're 16 or if they're 15 or whatever, if they're a certain age, it's statutory rape or there's pedophilia. No, it gave them some type of judicial discretion to be able to, like diff or differentiate certain things. So that 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 white subjectivity is is in there. You know what I'm saying? So now it's not like clear cut. Like yo, this is what this is. No, I gave him some type of discretion where no, you this is not um this is not pedophilia or this is not statutory rape. This is you know a consensual relationship. I see it here. It says uh, it only gives judges expanded discretion to determine whether an adult must register as a sex offender. Under current laws, judges can make that decision in cases of voluntary but illegal vaginal sex with a minor. Uh, would expand that law to include voluntary oral and anal sex. Bill would not apply to minor under under the age of fourteen. Yo, bro, it's crazy, bro. 
And I'm like, yo, what what are we accepting as a society? Yo, I had some statistics here between Massachusetts pushed to end child marriage because the current age is between 12 and 13 to be able to get, according to Mass Registry, Registry of Vital Records between 2000 and 2016, 1,200 underage children were married to adults. 1,200 underage children were married to adults. And mostly were young girls to adult men. In Massachusetts. Yes. Judges approved 15, 57 girls under the age of 16 to be married to adult men. Let me ask you this question. Is this a white issue? And how are we... Uh, Determining it. Yo, this is white culture and it's becoming a black issue. Elaborate. White cultures have accepted pedophilia and pederast throughout history. Okay. So, like, I had the example, like, yo, Bill Gates could be, have a sexual relationship with our kid. Because he's of a certain status, it's okay. Okay. Now, we're... Presenting our children in sexual natures. And our kids are being molested. Our kids are being raped. Our kids are being violated in the most unconscionable ways. And it's not something that's... There's a clear-cut fight to, 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 to put an end address to. Address it. You know what I mean? And... I think it's becoming a I think it's becoming a black issue. The other day I saw a, a a guy, he was a young black dude, molested his 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 and I'm like, yo, bro, where is his, this his cousin uh on the on a Zoom call? Yeah, like seven years old. And it's been happening, it happened multiple times as well. Yo, but what if that man said, Yo, well, listen, man, I, I subscribe to that that organization that we mentioned, like, yo, man, I you know, it's she consented, like you know what I mean? Yeah, man. Um you know this isn't an easy subject to cover. Yo, it's you know, disgusting, bro. Be, and being, I, I, I uh, being parents, you know, you especially with the young black girl, um, and we know how black women have been treated and in, in this country. Um and just the history of molestation in the black community, people close to you taking advantage of, of you know, the youth. It's a real thing. So I completely understand, man. Yo, I'm a, to, I thought I had it in my notes. But it was like between 2000 and 2015, like 200,000 underage girls were married to older women. Yo, and parents. Signing off. Yeah. Parents are... Uh, Agreeing and approving of this, having parental consent. How the hell is it not crazy that, yo, statutory rape is no longer rape because now they got married or they, and it's usually under coercion? How is that not rape no more? How is that something that's on the books? The land of, of law and order. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, you, they can argue like, yo, it's law. But, supposed to be of the highest moral standard and allowing something like this to to take place man in america morality is subjective 
Um, yo, you we're, we're subjected to white morality. And it's immoral. And I'm like, yo, bro, society, man, what, which way, like, where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going or where are we? Because um, Where are we and where are we going? It seems like shit. to hell in a handbasket, bro. I, I think... We're right where white people want it to be. Yeah, it was crazy, bro. And um, again, once when we continue to uh, allow ourselves to consent to these ideals and we buy into the narratives and we don't push back the way we need to push back, we get so caught up in how we feel and how we're perceived and... bro. The ACLU was in opposition. Like, I'm just thinking, like, yo, that's... In the United States, more than 200,000 minors were married between 2000 and 2015. Most, 80% were girls married to an adult. Wow. Under the guise of... Bro. It's normal. I mean, we see what the Mormons do, right? Nah, I know that you told me about that, but I didn't look into it. How they have multiple young wives? Isn't that the Mormons? I don't know. Yo, between 2004 and 2013, 4,500 children, 4,050 of them being girls, were married in the state of Virginia alone. In Maryland, more than 3,000 children have been married since 2000. And interestingly enough, I didn't touch on yet, but Texas, which brought... Uh, a lawsuit against Netflix has child marriage as well. In uh, in Texas, seven hundred and eighteen children between the ages of fifteen and seventeen were married between two thousand nine and two thousand thirteen. So, what do you think? What do you think? Um, the fight on this front what has to look like. Yo, the fight on this front is yo. There's no marriage until you eighteen, and even. That's young because, bro, your brain is not fully developed until you're 25. So making these rational decisions. But at least at 18, you're recognized as an adult and you have like you have some type of autonomy as it comes to the law. So you can file for divorce and you can get your own health care. And, yo, you a, a, a girl that's 15 or 16 can't say that she's being raped by her husband because she's a minor. She can't like seek actual recourse from what I understood. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I saw like actual women's testimony about this. Wow. You know what I mean? I, I saw a testimony where a girl was 11 young black girl was 11 years old. Her, her mom approved of her being married to her, to the pastor. She got pregnant at 10, had a baby at 11, bro. She said, bro, I can, I don't know I what she you. had. I believe you. I'm just saying. I'm saying like, maybe she had, maybe, you know, maybe she did have her. Early or whatever. When you look into the idea of, of child marriage, which I see as pedophilia and pederast, <laughs> and you look into what's going on right here in the borders of North America, it will paint a, a horrid picture. And I think this stuff is being 
uh, perpetuated by allowing us to sexualize our girls, whether it be under the guise of entertainment or they're just being noted, not just being a little girl, because this world is sick. And we're walking them right into the lion's mouth. And it's sick because its influences is European ideals. Yo, for real. Everywhere you go, there's European ideals. And everywhere there's European ideals, there's some weird shit going down. I watched a documentary on um, CBS News, and it came out just a couple months ago, the end of June. And it spoke about it. It spoke about the horrific... I want to say underworld of, of child marriage. Child, children, like young children, are marrying, are allowing to be married to men abroad and allowing to file for visas so these men can come here and they'll be married to this person. And it's just not like a on paper thing, like they're actually married. And they're cohabitating and being raped. The statistics, man, are more than alarming, man. In New Hampshire, marriage was 13. Marriage was approved between for, for girls 13 and 14. Or, excuse me, marriage is typically uh Approved for girls at a younger age than for boys. So like a marriage can be is approved for a girl that's 13, but for a boy is 15. And I'm like, yo, what, what, why? Like, if you have a child marriage, then why is it not 15? That's just a weird, uh, uh, a freaking weird nuance that I saw. It just got raised in New Hampshire in 2017 to the age 16 to be married in New Hampshire. A lot of states don't keep statistics on child marriage, so, and they're not required to. So it could be more than the numbers that are even being reported. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you can't measure. Yeah. So, yo, bro, I'm just like, yo, this shit is disgusting. Hey, man, this is a heavy topic, man. It's a heavy topic, and it's not a, a easy idea. Yo, and I don't want to hear that. Nah, she's just a little girl. She's just no, she do no, she's following older women presenting herself in a certain way. She's following you, mom. She's following you, auntie. You know what I'm saying? We gotta be more conscious of what we're doing, the messages that we're sending. As the saying goes, a child learns more from his mother's back than from his front. Right. And you giving your child access to social media. You know, you giving your child access to these platforms that they can't, can't filter through as little, like... They have no discernment to, no. To, to know what's good for them and what's bad for them. Nah, bro. And, and everything is on the table when you expose them to that. American society is not as great as, as people think it is, especially one that allows child marriage, allows children to be abused, and you have groups that really advocate for this to go on and for this to continue. You know, I think we got to really take a look at this whole American idea of how they're the greatest country in the world. Yo, bro, the founding fathers were slave owners. 
What's interesting when you look at them is they lived and died as slave owners. For as smart and as intelligent as they claim to be, it's not like they ever said, hmm, this way of life isn't a proper way to live. Right. You know what I'm saying? So in today's times, people can atone for their mistakes. You know, when you're younger, you don't know better, you... You, you you don't have a level of morality, a level of decency. Right. But as you get older, you become better. You do different things. You know what I'm saying? You treat people better. Mm-hmm. These are people that live their whole lives this way. And that's the foundation of this country. That's one of the pillars of this country. So you got to take that into account, how you think about the founding fathers and the principles that this country is built upon. Yo, what was that story that you had told me about that often gets mischaracterized between, um, and you said they characterize their relationship like as a love. Was it Thomas Jefferson? Thomas Jefferson. Jefferson. And, um, right. And they don't talk about it as rape. They talk about it as like, yo, this was just this um, platonic or this mutual love and adoration and affinity toward another and not really characterizing their relationship and what it actually was. Yo, but I'm going to just run down some statistics because I, I found my notes state by state. Between 2000 and 2014 in Alabama, over 8,500 children were married to adults. So 43 per 10,000 were married to... 43 out of every 10,000 were married to adults. Here, let's look at uh, here in New York where we are. 3,800 children were married to adults between 2000 and 2010. 15. And this is not counting New York City. 15 per 10,000 were married. In Washington, our nation's capital. I'm just going to read this off of uh, Wikipedia. Okay. Sarah, Sarah Sally Hemings was an enslaved woman of mixed race owned by President Thomas Jefferson. Multiple lines of evidence indicate that Jefferson had a long-term sexual relationship with Hemings, and historians now broadly agree that he was the father of her six children. The language used in that statement is, is not alarming. You know what I'm saying? But the acts in which she was subjected to was rape. Mm-hmm. She never had the option to say yes or no. Right. You know what I'm saying? She never had the option to bear those children. She never had the option to be free. And this is someone who was an institution in the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Third, what is it? Third president? I don't know. What? On, on, on the goddamn, what, $10 bill? Nah, Thomas Jefferson on the $10 bill. What bill is he on? Thomas Jefferson? Yeah. Yeah, he was the third president. Nah, $10 bill. That's not Thomas Jefferson, is it? Oh, the $2 bill. Okay. But it's just interesting, man. It's just interesting how things are presented to us, how we uh, internalize it, how we consume it. We have to be conscious of our socialization, Mm -hmm. our indoctrination. Exactly. Our entertainment. Because these are the things that directly affect the outcomes that we don't want to see or we do want to see. Right. And it's not just this one time. 
you can't look at it as like, oh, I made this mistake this one time because it's a, uh, it adds up and it becomes a culmination of things where then it's too far to go back. Right. That's a fact. Yo, we just sliding down a slippery slope, bro. We sliding down a slippery slope. And if we don't, <laughs> if we're not going to address it now, when it comes to like, yo, a certain point, it's going to be too late. That's the charge, man. That's the charge. What are we going to do that's different? But there's a documentary on CBS News that kind of gives a better uh, understanding of the nature of the beast that we're dealing with with this stuff, bro. And people need to go check it out. People need to go check it out. I think well, I whenever we get it, we'll put the put a link in the description. Put a link. Yeah, bro. Cause yeah, bro, it's real, man. And we get and it's something that I wanted to talk about, and it's something that I wanted to address because I was just look like that whole cuties thing turned me off, and I saw a video talking about how certain states were allowing certain things. So I wanted to do a little bit. Your own research. Yeah, and do diligence. And it was worse than I thought it could ever be. Like, <laughs> yo, you, you think you had, like, yo, it won't be that bad. But once I got into it. Like, at least these people are sane and the laws are in uh, places right. to protect. Nah, bro. You got it's actually people advocating opposite. to be able to do certain things. And ha- and they are able to. A lot of weird shit. Yo, bro, it, it, when you go to, like, therapists and stuff, like, if you talk about you being molested, you molesting a child, they got, like, mandatory reporters. Yeah. Like, you got to, it's something you got to do about that. So, if somebody's telling you, man, listen, I want man-boy love, like, bro, they got to be fucking monitored and watched and, and, some, and something. You know what I mean? Because that's a predator. Yeah. They're a predator. They have the mind. They're a predator, bro. That's a predator. You know what I mean? And I'm like, it's not being treated as such. He got his First Amendment. They got their First Amendment right. They got the right to advocate for whatever they want. It's cool. And I'm like, yo, what? And looking into it, I'm like, yo, just disgusting. Stick to my stomach. And all of I could think about was our babies. Like, are we really protecting our babies? Are, what are we allowing our babies to be subjected to? We got to be that first line of defense for them. You know, that's why there has to be a clear understanding in the household. You can't have fragmented households with children uh, because you allow anybody to come in and take advantage uh, see those cracks in the holes mm-hmm. and it's important man you know like we said when you got you don't have two parents and you got your cousin having to watch the kids that opens the door you know good bad or indifferent is just the reality of the world that we live in that's a fact that's a fact listen to your kids too man if they telling you something Yo, listen. Don't dismiss them. Right. Hey, this was a pretty heavy topic, you know what I'm saying? But it has to be talked about. We can't shy away from these uh, these discussions, from what we have to be conscious of and committed to. And if we all have an understanding that our future generations will carry the torches of what we're trying to establish now, 
we got to make sure that they're in the best place to do it. Right. Mentally, emotionally, physically. And if we're allowing them to be taken advantage of when and we have manipulated the ability, by this white system, especially if we have the ability to do something about it. It's one thing if there's nothing you could do about it, but a lot of times there's a lot of checks and balances that you can put in place. There's something you can do about it. Saying that there's nothing you can do about it is a damn lie. And you're lazy. As you say, it's called precautionary measures, right? Yes. You know what I'm saying? You get in front of something so that it doesn't allow for this to happen. Like you, yeah, you can't. Well, I guess I agree with what you're saying. You can't like stop every single thing but you can't put things in place and if something happens you can do something about it operational risk management you know what i'm saying I, I say that term but it's definitely a real term especially when it comes to these children as you say protect these babies gotta protect these babies man gotta protect these babies gotta protect these babies bro gotta protect the babies gotta protect these babies man this is a whole... It's not. That's something that we cannot be passive about. We got to protect these babies. You know, especially, I, I, yeah. I don't think anything we can be passive about, but especially this. Like, especially this. We about to, yo, get into my segment. You know, what we dealt with was a heavy topic, you know, and it's hard to transition from that. But we going to get into the... Just give the money, you heard them, and just give the goddamn vote like they trying to ask us for. But listen, yo, why is no, yo, how many times has Joe Biden ran for president? Yo, this is his third damn time. And nobody's asking no questions what happened the first two times. And on top of that, nobody is asking no questions about him saying, yo, I made a mistake with this damn crime bill. But you had 47 years of uh, political office and the crime bill was what? 80? 94. 94. So what's that? 26 years? To put in measures to protect or to correct. And nobody's asking, well, at what point did you feel that you realized you made a mistake and what have you done to correct it? But he's like, nah, nah, just give the money. Just give your vote and don't ask no questions. But we got to ask these questions and we have to hold his feet to the fire because it cannot be, as we stated before, that we are just trying to vote Trump out of office because we could be getting rid of the snake and bringing in the black widow. My interpretation of this whole thing is when we buy in so much, we become complicit in our own demise. Mm -hmm. When the 94 crime bill was being presented, there were black leaders in economics. There were black leaders Socially, there were black leaders in the church that said, we all want this thing. We didn't care about the long-term effects. Right. We didn't want to know. We just wanted what we wanted without the true understanding of things. And, and I, became complicit in our own demise. So now we have buyer's remorse. 
Mm-hmm. We have to understand the part we play in it ourselves. That's a fact. And how do we do it differently this time? That has to be the conversation. How do we do it differently this time? Because we had buyer's remorse last time. 100%. And we allowed them to capitalize on a vulnerable time. Like there were certain things going on and we were looking for answers. We were looking for help. We were looking for a certain response. And we allowed this so-called liberal white dude and this and that at the time, 94, that's Bill Clinton, right? Yep. We thought that they had our best interest because they're Democrats. Well, that's when um, the famous super predators quote. Hillary Clinton. And what I'm saying is we thought that they were Democrats. And they were cool, like, all right, you know, they're trying to help us protect our community. But nah, what, ha- what ended up happening? And it's not happening on their side of the tracks. It's not happening on their commu- on, on, in their community. And Joe Biden's son is, a, is, a dr- is somebody that had issues with drugs, too. <laughs> <laughs> He's a crackhead. <laughs> As a, uh, he ain't a crackhead. He's a crack-ish. Like, like, <laughs> But but seriously though, like that's not something that his kids had to worry about. But do where you, we are, do you smoke crack? <laughs> are you high right now? But we gotta address it, and we gotta ask. We gotta ask this question. We can't just allow him to say that he made a mistake, and then that just be the end of it. What's the change behavior? An apology is nothing without changed behavior. What's your changed behavior? What did he do once he figured out that he, he made a mistake? And he was in office with the first black president. And if you watch documentaries like 13, you could see like, yo, when it came to prison, ain't nothing really changed. So are we asking these questions? Are we asking the right questions? That's the theme, man. That's the theme. Are we asking the right question? That's a fact, dude. Yeah, man. So, again, we appreciate you for tuning in. Yes, sir. We appreciate you for giving yeah. us some time. You know, uh, as always, you can find uh, the We're Tired of Asking Instagram page, underscore, We're Tired of Asking, underscore. Right. You can uh, follow me on social media, underscore, Kwame Haru. Same on Facebook. You know, uh, Conscious Cotton. We're getting everything back up and running. Also, we have uh, merchandise. We're tired of asking that we're going to be putting out to the people. So look forward to that. Don't forget to support. Get you a hoodie. Get you a T-shirt. Mr. God Body, no excuses. Ashe, Ashe. We're going to put the cherry on top with the words of wisdom today. With all that has been said, remember to keep your eye on your cheddar. Watch out for rats. Rest in peace to the God, Justice Cypher. Thank you for listening. We're tired of asking. And you should be too. Peace and black power.